0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. All right, and if so, if God speaks to you about it, do something. Is that okay? So it's just the same as anything else. It's just that sometimes people think about it or talk about it as if it isn't the same as everything else because it sort of feels a bit personal <laughs> uh, when you start talking about my money, which is a problem from the start because we're supposed to be stewards of God's money. So I'm going to read to you uh, from Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 11. At the end of this, as we said, I would have liked it, to, to be honest with you, if those forms could have been out on every chair rather than us just have them available, those attires and offerings things for everybody to be able to see because the chances are sometimes as soon as it finishes, you're just going to think about food. Uh, rather than anything else, and, and I would have liked it if those times and offerings forms could have been available for everybody, so I'd like, if possible, if the welcome team could be, ava- actually, uh, just at the doors, nobody gets out without a form, let's be, let's be clear about that, basically, uh, we're going to give you something, it's a form, and it's going to be available at the end, and if you'd like to talk about this in any depth or detail, we have stand up Rob Jackson, who's over there, Rob is our elder in charge of finances, and you can chat to him about anything to do w- with this at the end as well, is that okay? Let's read. The Apostle Paul's writing to a group in a church. He's talking to them about their giving. This is what he says. I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously, say generously, will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then, say then, and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way, so you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Actually, what we'll do, sorry guys, can we do it at the end? Otherwise it'll, uh, people will, will be listening, watching you rather than listening. Is that all right, thanks so much. We thank the welcome team, they are brilliant. <clears throat> See, unlike some churches, we don't always talk about money, and unlike some churches, we don't never talk about money. We're happy to talk about money. We're happy to talk about generosity in all of its forms because actually we like giving at this church. If you've been around this church any length of time, you're gonna know this is a church that really likes giving. I don't just mean we like getting. Some churches like to talk about giving because they like, to talk because they like getting. We, we like giving. We like being generous. We like to be generous to all kinds of stuff. We like to be irrationally generous. We, I like to be able to go to other churches and talk about our church in a, in a way that provokes them to think, wow, that's a generous church. How can we be more generous? And, it, you know, people are surprised at how generous this church is and in so many ways. Um, you know, I was talking to a guy yesterday who just couldn't understand when I started to talk about some of the things that we give to so regularly in so many different ways. So, we um, We love giving. We're happy to talk about giving because the Bible does a lot. Jesus talks about giving a lot. And actually, we're here to help people find their way back to God. And for that to happen, we love to use what God has given us to make a difference. That's one of the reasons that we do it. So I'm curious. How many of you would say, honestly, you're a pretty generous person? Hands up. You'd say you're a pretty generous person. Okay. See, if that was you, I'd say you'd know it from what we just read. Why? Because you'd be happy. According to the Bible, if you're generous and you're a giver, you're going to know it and you're going to be happy as a result of doing it because the Lord loves a happy giver. And because Jesus said too, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So one more time, hands up if you love to be generous. I do. I love to be generous. Now I know when I look around and see people at Ivy Church any group of people, the ones that I know anyway, individually I know some people but collectively I'd also say I know I'm seeing some of the most amazing generous people anywhere on the planet when I look at some people from Ivy because there are so many people at Ivy who love to make a difference through the church into the world, and in so many other ways, too. So, personally, on behalf of the elders and staff, I want to say thank you to those of you who give generously, who love to give like that. It's inspiring, it makes a huge difference to so many people and ministries in this city and around the world for you to do that. And I know that you, people don't do it because they want to be thanked, but I wanted to thank you anyway. I know that people who give like that actually do it because it makes them happy. Now, of all the other things, see, I looked down, down my bank statement all the other things that go out I can't see many things on my bank statement I'm glad that I spent the money on but whenever I look at things that I've done on the God lines if you like I'm like I'm so glad that I get to do that I'm happy about those things that I get to give to God and actually giving people are happy people giving people are joy filled people giving people actually it happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit to me it's a sign of being filled with the Holy Spirit because before I was filled with the Holy Spirit I was not a generous person at all but now something happens inside a person where now you don't live to get you actually love to give so again you don't need me to thank you but I want to and the truth is the reason sometimes we don't talk about generosity very much is that some people get uncomfortable when you talk about money because the truth is actually that in our country not that many people are actually generous now if you ask them are you generous they're gonna say yeah I'm pretty generous. I mean, I would have said that even before I was a Christian, because I bought a round. (laughs) You know, or because I would, I'd pick up the bill at the end of the meal sometimes. So yeah, of course I'm pretty generous. And the reason people think that they're generous is because they give something sometimes. So that's what they think makes them generous. But giving and being generous are actually two different things. You can give and not be generous. Now you can't be generous and not give, but you can give and not be generous because it's not actually a matter of amount, it's a matter of attitude. The way the Bible talks about it, giving and being generous are not the same things because actually being generous is not an action, it's an attitude that becomes a way of life and actually of getting a bigger life. And because the the way you live that way, the way you give that way more and more, something grows you get a bigger life as a result of this so in that passage that we just read it says that god gives seed so we sow it we give then god somehow grows a harvest and he multiplies the seed and then we give more so it's not i have to give he said never ever do it relent reluctantly or under compulsion it's not oh no i have to give but it's now actually I i want to orient my life more and more around being a giver and not just being a receiver. So, okay, show of hands again here. How many people here are rich? Don't point at anybody else. I'm rich, I'm rich. Most people in our country never ever think of themselves as rich, but that's because, to be honest with you, a lot of people need to get out more. And I mean out in the big wide world. And actually compare ourselves, not with the Beckhams, not with the Made in Chelsea's, and all those people, because what we do, we always compare up against those people that have got more than us in some way and that makes me feel like I've got less because that's who I'm comparing with. Most of us don't feel rich and we are, most of us think we're generous and we're not. Why don't we feel rich? Because I said, there's always somebody that we look to who's got a bigger house, bigger car, bigger whatever, seems to have more than me. And I can't keep up with them. But when we compare ourselves with people around the world, we actually see we are massively blessed. And I'm not saying there's no poverty and no struggling in this, ch- in, in this country and, and actually we, you know, we as a church, we have a cap centre, we encourage people. Last year, I think there was over 20 people that we helped as a church to get debt free, which is a fantastic thing. And there are cap money courses that are available for people who are struggling with money. We don't want people to live in debt and in worry with regard to finances because that's not what God wants for any of his children. He wants us to be free. He doesn't want finance to be something that anybody's fearful over. In fact, when you look through the Bible, you can see that time and time again. Jesus just says, why do you worry about it? It shouldn't be a worry for one of the children of God. What do I mean by a blessed? Well, if you were to put the average UK income, this is the average part-time, in the, in the middle of part-time and full-time, £24,000, into globalrichlist.com and compare with everywhere else, if that's the UK average, it's actually 27 for full-time. But average UK income... If that's what somebody earns, you're in the top 0.03% in the world, in terms of income. If you drive a car, if you have one, depending what study you read, that puts you somewhere in the top 6-9% to people in the world, the wealthiest people in the world. You're in the top percent anyway, if you ever owned a car. Maybe you don't have a car, maybe you're like, oh good, I'm off, I'm, 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 I'm off that. Well, okay, maybe it isn't about whether or not you drive, it's about what we take for granted. Like when you went past a bunch of different places to go to your favourite one, where you went and you sat at a table and somebody else came and took your order and somebody else then went and cooked your food after selection of food that you chose, the things that you like, and then you ate it and then somebody else went and washed it all up. You know, somebody else cleaned all the dishes. There are people in the world who could not comprehend that. They just couldn't comprehend that that would happen. I've been to some place in the world, I've been been too embarrassed, to be honest with you. When they've asked me about my home and where I live, the previous house that I lived in, I was in India at the time, and they were asking me about the place that I lived, and I started talking to them, and then I realised, I I thought, I can't tell them I've got a garage. Because my garage is bigger than your house that I'm now in. And and it'd be like, I've got a a house for my car. And then it was like, not, not only have I got a house for my car, I actually, I've got so much extra stuff... I can't even put my car in the house for the car. I couldn't talk about it. It would have, you know, I would, I, just felt, I would have felt embarrassed to have been able to do that. Extra stuff is a sign of rich. There's places in the world where they don't have any stuff, never mind any extra stuff. So, you know, and I I leave, I I put my car in its little house, then I go into my house where the temperature is the temperature that I like it to go. And I go into the bathroom and I push a button and all my poo goes away. And that's like unbelievable for some place. I've been to India where you see a communal toilet for a huge amount of people. And people die in the communal toilets. It happened last year. People fell in the communal toilets and died. Everybody's sharing this one big thing is you know and like we don't even think about it most of the time and then I leave there I go into my bedroom and I look through and I choose the clothes that I want to wear out of all the clothes and then sometimes I I might even say I haven't got anything to wear which is bonkers I've got lots to wear because I'm I'm rich there's people around the world who who, who, literally I remember a little girl in Africa had a t-shirt that was it that was it I don't compare myself with her, usually, but when I do, I start to realise how rich I am, how wealthy I am. Most of us, we're rich and we don't know it. If you ask the average person, are you generous, they're going to say, oh yeah, I'm generous. I'm pretty generous, but actually we're, we're probably really not. Christians, sorry, Charities Aid Foundation. Don't show the UK in the top ten most generous countries. at all. And it's interesting to see some of the countries that are. first one, Myanmar, the most generous country in the world. Figures show in 2017, 61% of British people gave some, gave any money to charity. Women gave more than men. People over 65 were more than twice as generous as those 16 to 24. And the average amount given by them per month was 18 pounds. The average full-time wage in Britain is actually 27,600 pounds. I know some people get more, some people have less, that's why you call it an average. So people actually, when you work that out, on average gave less than 1% of income to charity, if they give at all. Of those who gave, they gave less than 1%. Oh, and 40% of those who were given, when they were asked what they gave, how they gave, they said, I give by buying lottery tickets. The most generous givers in Britain were religious people. Muslims. The second most religious, the second most generous people were religious. The least generous people were atheists. We were just a bit better than atheists. Christians in the UK average a little bit better than people who don't believe in God at all. The average Anglican church member gives 3.3% of income in charity, in total. That's, that's what they give. And that isn't God, God honouring, to be honest with you. It's giving, but it's not generous. That's not what we want to do here at Ivy. That's not who I want to be as a a believer in Jesus Christ who says that my life has been changed. I want to give my life and my heart and all the stuff that I sing about. I want it to be real in my life. I want to be happily generous. Why? Because we actually believe Jesus is right when he says it's more blessed to give than to receive. We believe he knows what he's talking about. Like the passage we talked about at the beginning started with, we don't want people to feel clicked on our pressured, but we, we know actually the reason why most people don't give more. I know what it is over the years, I've, I've come to discover what it is. It's not usually, it's not because people don't want to, it's because they never feel that they can. They just feel like I'd like to, but I can't. I don't know hardly anybody, certainly not anybody who gets connected. To Ivy, who doesn't hear about the ministries that we have, the ministries we support, all the things that we're starting and supporting and growing, I don't, you know, who wouldn't want to give more to that. Most people, if I said, who'd love to give more, would say, I definitely would love to give more. But the reason that they don't, the reason they don't is because they don't feel that they can. Because when it comes to money, money's a scary thing in some way for them, and they're worried about it. That's how I was raised, DC, see, to talk about money and think about money when I was growing up. We didn't have a lot going up when I was growing up. And money became a bit of a scary thing for me. So I ended up with what it gets called a scarcity mindset. That you can sum that up in three words. There's never enough. There's not enough. I wish I could give. I wish I could, but I can't afford to. There's never enough for me to do that. There's not enough. There's always more money than money. That kind of thing. It's a scarcity mindset when we think about that. When we talk about that, there's never enough because scarcity is a cycle. Here's the scarcity cycle. God supplies, we consume, Then we get a bit scared, so what do we do? We consume a bit more. And if there's any left over, maybe we give some. That's what the scarcity cycle looks like. At the end of the month, if there's anything left over, at the end of the week, or if I've got some pocket change, maybe I'll give some leftovers to God. If you live like a consumer, that's always gonna be the pattern. I don't wanna be a consumer. What a horrible way to describe yourself. Think of yourself as a consumer. That's what the world around you wants you to live as, as a consumer. It thinks of you as a consumer. Advertisers think of you as a consumer. When we consume, we will never have enough when we're a consumer. Because there's always more that we need to consume. What's our dominant thought going to be with regard to wealth and money when we're a consumer? It's going to end up being fear. Because even if you get more, you're going to think about how do I hold on to it? How do I protect it? What do I do to look after it? Fear. And we're going to live thinking about it month. month we're never going to be free as a result of that because there's never enough or even when it comes in even if we get some more it never feels like it's quite enough God gives we spend if he gives more we spend more maybe we get a little bit ahead some people give like that three percent like the Anglican Church and they freak out if you say the Bible talks about 10 tithe being 10 10 percent they're gonna say that's Old Testament or something because they know really there's never enough. Because they're consuming 100% or very near it. Or, or maybe they're saving some of that 100%, which is still keeping it for themselves. I'm not saying don't save. The Bible says it's wise to save. It's a good thing to save. But when we have it that we want, we buy, we fear, we consume, we owe, we owe, we, it's off to work, we go, we need, we fear, it's a little circle I wish I could give more there's never enough it's the, the cycle of scarcity and it's the opposite to the way that God wants you to live and if I'm saying this as I've been talking about this if you found yourself tensing up on the inside and you thought well you know to be honest with you if I had more then I'd give more just be honest how is it? Okay. Is that, have you only just not, have you not been able to hear me? some people are like I'm glad I've not been able to hear him Okay, so as I've been, as I've been talking, if you find yourself tensing up and you've thought, well if I have more, I give more, just be honest, because you've had more, than times in the past, and, and you've had less, and some people around here have more and give less, and some people around here have less and give more, because it's not a matter of income, it's a matter of the heart. Generosity is a matter of the heart. Maybe the sweaty palm started as soon as I started, as soon as you realized it was a generosity we're going to talk about today. And you're like, oh, oh well, why? You know, think about the Bible reading. What we've said so far in the year of prayer is that the way that God wants his children to live and to think with regard to money, to have a scarcity mindset? See, the Bible says in Proverbs the world of the, of the, of the stingy person gets smaller and smaller. That's what scarcity mindset does. The world gets smaller and smaller and smaller, ever decreasing circles. If you th- if you just listen to the little voice that comes in and says, "Oh, here we go," the church just wants my money. The reason we're t- telling you this now is to say, actually, because this isn't about the church needing your money. You know, the church actually has just had a really generous whole bunch of people giving massive amounts of first fruits. We're you know we're we're on track to be able to hit the budget this year, and we've got a budget for next year. It's not about us. We're not doing this out of some please give, we need the steeple fixing kind of thing. It's not like that. This is actually, because this is a mindset of a disciple that is different, and God doesn't want us to live with a scarcity mindset. He wants us to be free with regard to money. And Romans 12 says you can be changed by the renewing of your mind. And and I think Christians should think differently with regard to supply, and who is our supplier? And then, passage really, Romans 12 is all about worship because worship is more about—it's a lot more about who you trust rather than how loud you sing. As Jesus followers, God wants to renew our mind in this area because, so that because of what God does, because of what Jesus has done, our heart gets bigger and bigger in all kinds of different ways. And one thing that will happen with that is that we'll move out of a scarcity mindset and we'll move into a cycle of supply. A cycle of generosity, a cycle of abundance, where we find what we read is true before. God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that at all times and in all things, having all that you need, your daily bread, not all your greed, all you need, you may abound in every good work. How? Because you find there's always enough. There's actually always enough. Everybody can always give something. Let me show you how the generosity cycle works. We do this as a church in our finances because we give away a large percentage and we always do it first, off the top. We do this all the time as a church. We don't wait to see if there's enough to give. We give. We plan to give. Personally, we do this as staff members and as elders. Tithing is actually a requirement for leadership around here. This is what we do. We give generously because that's what Jesus' followers do. Because of what God has done for us, we love to give. Paul says, you must decide in your own hearts how much to give. So I'm not telling you, do this and do that. You have to do this work with God yourself. But this is what we do. And we've decided to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. or under In fact, the Bible says, if ever you feel manipulated, if ever you feel pressured by anybody here, anywhere else, to give, don't give. Because if you gave, it doesn't matter. God doesn't want it given like that anyway. It doesn't honour God. God doesn't bless giving, you see. He blesses generosity. He blesses giving obediently with the right attitude. It says God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That's the difference. And the word cheer, cheer, some of you already know, the word there is hilarious. Same word we get hilarious from. It's like, ha, 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 offering time in church. (laughs) Ha, ha. My favourite time. (laughs) That promise is there in the Bible, in black and white like any other in the Bible, for you to believe and receive in faith or disbelieve and not act on. Same as any other in the Bible. You believe it or not, God will provide all that you need. Not all you want, all you need. Not just that, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then you will always have plenty... Left over to share with others, as the scriptures say, they share freely and they give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's what we want to be our story more and more, as a church and as individuals. So many of us could tell stories of how we've seen this personally over the years. Not as some instant magic success formula. It's not oh, I, always I gave and then money came through in an envelope through the door. Although you do find that happens, and it is amazing, and I've had those kind of things happen. Actually, the blessings aren't always financial. There's all kinds of ways that God can get his blessings through to people. Because you activate the supply cycle. See, the supply cycle is God God supplies and I don't consume first, I give first. My first thought is not me, my first thought is grateful to God, I give and I do it first. Then I live off the rest. And I discover actually that God can make the 90% go way further than I could ever make the 100%. And I live grateful. And I give back to God. And it keeps that cycle going. Because there's always enough And it says, and people thank God when that happens. Other people are grateful and they remember it forever. God loves it when we're generous. People love it when we're generous. It's one way that we show that the stuff that we preach and teach about is actually real. Miracles happen when people are generous. We hear stories all the time about people here. When people give, what does God do? He multiplies. He supplies abundantly. When we give generously, God multiplies abundantly. I'll say it again. When we give generously, God multiplies abundantly. And you know what, when, when we don't, he doesn't. Because he said it's actually about the seed that we sow makes a difference. So we are going to talk about tithing, and we've got those leaflets for you too, if you want to read what we, we believe about that, whether you believe everything that we believe about this or not. Some people say, well, tithing, that was just for agricultural times, because in those days they had farms and they gave like that, and now, of course, we've that doesn't apply in these days, because in those days, you, if, whatever the harvest was, you gave the first tenth of the crop back to God, or if it was animals, you gave the firstborn back to God, like he gave his firstborn for us. And there's yeah, you can say, well, that's all agricultural, but the fact is what we do in the Bible, we always look for what's the principle that comes out of it and how does that apply to us now. The Bible talks about principles to put into practice. So look again at verse 10. Oh, I forgot the one about in the same way. That one. Sorry, I meant that one. That one. God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way. Say in the same way. He will provide and increase your resources and then, say then, then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. It says God gives you something. Something to eat? No. Something to sow. Something to plant, not something to consume. He gives you time, he gives you talents, he gives you treasure, He, he, he gives you gifts. Everybody's got something to give. Seed isn't given to consume it unless you're a budgie. You don't eat the seed. God gives you seed. You plant the seed. You sow the seed. And then, it says, God is then in the supply business of giving you bread to eat. In the same way. He will... see, you look at a seed planted in the ground, it seems to be wasted, it's hidden, you don't know what's happening with it. You have to give it time. It doesn't happen straight away. You don't put the seed in and then come back a week later and say, "Hmm, nothing grew. You know, some people, I tried tithing, how long for? About uh, two months. And God didn't give me a million pounds or a jet plane. It's like you're totally missing the point here. You know, when you plant a seed, you've got to wait and you trust. And one day you see a harvest. And sometimes the harvest looks nothing like the seed, but it's still a harvest and that's your increase, and that's your supply, and then you give back, and that's multiplication, and that's giving, and that's getting a bigger, bigger life. Every child at Ivy Kids knows the story about a little boy who came with just the little bit that he had, just the resources that he had, and he put them into Jesus' hands, and he gave first, then God multiplied and fed 15,000 plus people in a day. God increases resources that are given to him. And then it says, this produces a great harvest of generosity in you. In you. In you. This is the the thing. You get a bigger life. You get a happier life. You get a better life as a giver than you'll ever get as a consumer. And then he says, you'll be enriched in every way. Why? So you consume consume more. No, again, that's missing the point. If you're watching the God TV stuff and it's all about you give and then God will give back to you, you're missing the point. It's so that you can continue to live a generous life. Wouldn't you love to live like that, to love like that, to give like that? I would. would. See, I, I... The fact is, the richest Christians that I've ever met, and I've met some very rich Christians, always happen to be generous. Just so happen to be also the most generous people that I know. But when you talk with them, you find out the generosity always came first. Some people think, well, if I was rich like that, I'd be generous like that. No, you wouldn't. Because they were generous before. That's how it works. Sowing seed first is the opposite to the cycle of scarcity that leads to fear. And that I wish I could, but I never can, because there's never enough. Why? Because we're practicing the principle of putting God first. As Jesus followers, this is what we want to encourage everybody to do. From the children, right the way through to the pension. And this really is, this is actually first, fruit li- first fruits living. When you give back to God first, the first fruits. When the first thing that comes out of my money, when the salary or the wage comes in, is to go back to God. The first thing that I want to do is to respond to God with great gratefulness. And to, this trains our hearts with regard to thinking more the way the Bible thinks about tithing, not even as being given, but it always talks about tithing as being returning to God, giving back to God what he gave us. A tithe, back in Hebrew, to God. Some of you don't know what a tithe is. It comes from the Hebrew word masah, and it means tenth. ten. God gave 100% he says I don't want 100% back I don't want 90% back I don't want 50% back I just want 10% that's it you do the rest of it I'll bless the rest of it if you give me that and that's an easy calculation because everybody here I would imagine most of us have got 10 fingers so you can always work out however much you got what 10% is See, Christians differ about what you do with the tithe, but here the staff and elders are united in saying, We encourage you and model you to do what it says there in Malachi. Next next one, please, that you, you give back. See how the tithe, the arrow, goes back to God in a minute. Flip the next one on. The tithe next one goes back to God. It's counterintuitive. I return the tithe, and his supply starts to come more and more in my life, because now I'm living a blessed life. And now I start to give in all kinds of other ways too. And I'm being blessed in all kinds of ways. And it's irrational. It doesn't make sense from a financial perspective, the way that my accountant, when he looks at how much I give every year, he's like, I don't know how that works. I don't, why do you give like that? And it's like, because that's how I want to live. And I'm, a, I'm blessed to be a blessing, and that's why I want to be more and more. And sometimes we have people who want to argue about tithing. I to be honest with you, I've just got to say, please, if that's you, don't, don't even do it. Because I, unless you're never going to sing again all the stuff about I surrender all, don't argue with me about percentages. I don't get how you can sing about giving God all your life. John Ortberg says tithe is like stabilizers on the bike that help you to get going. It's not 10% is a magic number. It's just like something to aim at, something to start with, something to go towards that gets you living a generous life and not just thinking about yourself all the time. And then after a bit, you realise, I can take these stabilisers off and now I can just go. So it's not some legalistic thing in that sense, unless you make it that. I don't want to be making it that. Tithing just gets you to the place where money is no longer a fear for you and you start to live a different kind of life. See, when we tithe first what does god do he multiplies it next slide we put seed in the ground god gives a better a better supply a bigger supply a bigger return because he's always good we want to talk about this because it's a blessing the bible always talks about the tithing as being a blessing you know i heard somebody say recently there's only two types of people when it comes to tithing there's tithers and non-tithers and tithers always say i'm blessed And non tithers always say, I can't afford it. Which one do you want to be? So, three things. There's so many things I could talk about, and I can only think of three. I'm going to talk about three things that tithing does. First of all, tithing breaks the curse of scarcity and creates a new cycle of supply for God to get through to us what he wants to put through us and get done through us. Somebody will say, Isn't it Old Testament? Isn't it the law? But way back before the law, Abel brought the first and the best to God. Cain just brought some leftovers. Before the law even existed, Abraham returned a tithe of his first increase back to God, 10%. It's in the New Testament too. Jesus said you should tithe. That's good enough for me. He said, don't forget the more important matters of the law. Don't forget things like love and mercy and sacrifice. And of course we tithe. This is what New Testament Christians did. And it's in church history too. You can look. Clement of Alexandria, Iranius said the church, the local church should surpass the Old Testament. The only tithed. So if, you're telling, if your argument with tithing is you want to give a lot more than tithing, come and talk to me about that. That's fantastic. Cyprian, Origen, St. Augustine, all mention tithing. Why? What does tithing do? Number two, the tithe teaches us to put God first not the gas board first not all the other bills first God first Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 23 says the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives I know what some of you are thinking I wish I'd skipped church today I like the prayer ones you know I want to talk we were talking about prayer I like all that I don't like this money stuff if things are tight I don't listen whether things are tight or whether things are going well 10% is 10%. I actually had a guy say to me one time, his objection to tithing was, but I'm earning a lot of money. And 10% of that is a lot. And I said like, well, do you want me to pray down your income some? (laughs) Maybe you're thinking, well, but for me to do this, to go to tithes, and then offerings on top so that when the envelopes come round and everything, I'm just putting like extra "I love you God bits in. That's like big because tied into the local church, which is what we're talking about, and then offerings over and above that, that's like I'd have to start to rearrange my whole life differently for that to happen. Yeah? Absolutely. And you'll be like, "Yeah, but for that to happen, I'd have to have massive changes would take place in the way in which I spend money and save money and consume money. Yeah. But that would lead, need, mean a lot of faith. Yep. That's true because it honours God and it takes faith to give first and it doesn't take any faith to give leftovers and to give last. We're so grateful for people who gave our, to our first fruit offering in January but really tithing and giving offerings is first fruits living and that's what we want to really encourage throughout the year people to, you know, to, to see that happen. And John Bunyan wrote this. There was a man, some called him mad. The more he gave, the more he, the more he had. And I believe that's true. Number, number three, you see, is that tithing builds our faith. Malachi chapter 3 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Why? So there may be food in my house. So God can get everything done that he wants done. And when that happens, this is amazing. This is the only place in the Bible when God says, test me in this. He doesn't say you can test him in any other area, but he says, try tithing and just see if I don't bless you in ways that you couldn't imagine. I'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out on you blessings that you can't contain. So this is why on each of these things, you just see the arrows starting to go out in all kinds of crazy different ways. I, I know, I My graphic kind of illustration sort of went a bit bonkers at this point. Okay. I'm not very good at it. But I was trying to say, it's just bigger. It's just better. God says, test me in this. You can try this. You know, maybe you could say, see, God says my economy is different than the world's economy. Which one do you want to live according to? The world says consume and fear and hoard and worry and consume and lack and there's never enough. But if you trust me, when I give to you and you give back to me first, your faith will grow. You will see me multiply. You will see me bless you. You will see a harvest in your life that includes but goes beyond your financial life. Give me your first. Give me your best. I'll, give, I'll bless the rest. Believe it or not. You'll see God do more with a 90% than you could ever do with 100% with you in charge of it. It's like when you went to the gym. See, some people are like, oh, I couldn't do that. If I said to you, Can you do me 10, 10 press ups? No, if I said to you, Can you do me 50 press ups? You'd be like, Oh, I couldn't do three. I'd be like, Okay, give you six months, I bet you could. Do, you know? Just do one today, do three tomorrow building it up, building it up, building it up. You you could do 50 in a few months. Most people here could do that. But it's about doing something about it rather than just thinking about it. I've seen the same thing happen with generosity. You start to tithe, you you see God work, it blesses you, you want to give even more, you start to give offerings too. You're rearranging your whole life around what you said is most important to you, which is God. And you're able to make a bigger impact and bigger difference in the world as a result of that. See, God said this to me years ago. I was worrying about it all. I was reading the Bible. It seemed to me that God was saying I should be tithing 10% to my local church. This was before I ever led a church. And then after that, I'd start to give. And I was like, well, I'm good with it now. But Zoe will go bonkers. And you'll have to talk to her. And he did. And when he did, it was a blessing. It was like, we get to do this. And we've done it consistently over the years ever since then. And it's it's, it's a way better way to live God says test me and see the fact is if I trust him for my salvation in the next life I want to trust him for everything in this one too final one I've got an extra one reason number four then we're finished it breaks the scarcity mindset it teaches us to put God first it builds our faith and now without apology I'm going to add reason number four it provides for God's work through the church. And as I say, this is now speaking out of some need. We can only do what we can do around here because of tithers. Because some people obey what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, where God says, Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse so that there may be food in my house. So, show of hands again, be honest. How many of you would say your life? is better spiritually as a result of this church thank you how does that happen god gives to some people they give back they more and more re- put that as an important thing god gives to people God feeds people, looks after people. Somebody gave back. The work of God happens. People are grateful. Lives are impacted. So many lives. We save lives. We change lives. We, gave, we, we give hundreds of thousands of pounds to other churches, other charities, other ministries every year. This is what we do. Because of what he did. I had somebody tell me last week how in their church they just voted to give nothing to anybody. And to stop giving coffee to visitors. And to charge the food bank that is using their building. We are never going to be anything like that. Oh, no. We're going to be irrationally generous in the complete opposite spirit to that. Yeah. Yeah. Ivy loves giving. We love to be generous. We love it. So when I say we, here's my question, are you we? Yes. Yeah. Are, you, are you part of we? This is what we do. So are you really part of we? Or are we still living in a cycle of scarcity? The budget of ivy does not operate out of a mindset of scarcity. It operates out of a cycle of abundance. It makes no sense naturally to give like we do. But every year, for the last 10 at least, while the economy of the world went up and down, up and down, round here, it went up and up and up because God is blessing it supernaturally. We give, God multiplies. Our faith grows. We give more. More people give thanks to God everywhere. So again, we're not saying this out of need or because God wants something from you. It's because God wants something for you. He wants you to live a more blessed life. In fact, this isn't just what we do, it's who we are. Ivy, in its DNA document, says we are a generous church. We're committed to that. Why? Because we love to give. Because our God loves to give so much to us. So I want to invite you, actually, if as you look at this, if you're not 100% sure you're part of we in this area, would this week be the week where you pray about it, talk to who you need to talk to about it, And if if you're visiting from another church, would you be the best giver at that church? Would you be one of the people who does that more and more? This isn't about more and more for Ivy, it's about a kingdom. Okay, please would you stand if you're able, we're going to pray. Father, empower us as your church to be a part of your revolution of generosity, using what you've given us, recognising that we're so blessed because we want to be a massive blessing in this world. If you're praying with me now, those of you who are not yet Jesus followers, you're off the hook in this area. But I hope every Jesus follower would, would say yes to the prayer that I pray today, which is this, Lord, I would love to be even more generous. God bless me so that I can be a blessing if you agree with that prayer lift your hands right up right up now to say that that's what i'm praying that i want to be blessed more to be to be a blessing in, in all these different ways that we talked about god i pray today for our faith collectively to increase that as we put you first as we take steps of obedience to your word that you would honor your word and open up the floodgates of heaven and provide even more to build our faith not so that we could have more and just consume more and spend it all on ourselves but so that we could live a bigger life and be a bigger blessing to others may the world see your love through our generosity here as a church more and more Jesus for those of you here you've you've spoken to and and there's still a bit of a scared thing going on you need to change the fear for faith make a decision And some people just need to take that challenge and start to tithe, maybe for the first time. Lord, I ask that you'd prove yourself faithful to everybody who does that, who takes that challenge up when you said, test me in this. So they would be blessed in every way. As you keep praying today, there are some people maybe in this area, you know you haven't been putting God first. What do we do? Just say sorry and then do it from now on. God wants more than anything else to be first in your life. He gave first to you. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. Jesus is his first and his best. Jesus was God's tithe. God gave his son to the world so that in faith he he, he sowed his son into the world so that we'd respond in salvation faith. If today you know he's not first in your life, you need a saviour. He's Jesus, the son of God call on him and you'll be forgiven and made new you'll have a fresh start god brought you here today not because he wants your money because he wants you give yourself back to him just pray to him lord i need your grace i need your mercy lord i i want to trust you as my provider as my helper i give my whole life over to you and together as a church we if anybody's praying that kind of a prayer today of giving their life back to God for the first time so nobody prays alone would all of us pray this out loud Heavenly Father I give you my whole life I ask Jesus to forgive me make me new fill me with your Holy Spirit so I can follow you with the whole heart For the rest of my life, putting you first. My life is not my own, because I give it all to you. Thank you for new life that lasts forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.